Hello, I'm Kirsty Wiebeck and this is my podcast, The Best, where each episode I'll tackle a different topic or two and present to you the best of that or those topics. Sound good? Great, because that's it. That's all there is to the podcast. I've got nothing else to offer. So I really appreciate your support in that department. Each week I'll be presenting objective truths after a a fairly tiny amount of research, if I'm honest. But regardless, no further correspondence will be entered into. You know the drill. You've been here before. You've listened to a few eps. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, Despite the backlash, despite the fact that I'm certain I have not presented anything yet that you've actually agreed with, I dearly appreciate that you're coming back for more. Also, thank you for the wonderful reviews. Some of my favourite feedback has included people saying that they'd been pronouncing my surname incorrectly ever since they discovered me years ago. And to that, I would just like to say, don't feel bad. You're not alone. I don't think I've ever done a gig where the MC has ever brought me on to the correct name. So you're not alone. It's just a club. You're in it now. No stress at all. I've also had two people DM me on social media saying that they were sure my name was Christy. Let me tell you, there is absolutely nothing in this world like having to convince someone that you know what your name is. I'm like, it's on my birth certificate, mate. It's right there. It's actually written there on the Instagram page that you are DMing to, it's just, it's a, it's a losing battle, you know, (laughs) I mean, I've got all the evidence, I know my name's Kirsty, but sometimes I just can't prove it to people, I feel like I'm getting to the point with the Christy thing where it just might be easier to change my name, but I've mentioned this to one of my friends who's called Christy, And she's assured me that the second I changed my name to Christy, everybody would start calling me Kirsty. And then I'm like, well, sure, maybe that's a workaround. Like, maybe that's what I need to do. I just try to convince everyone my name's Christy in order to get them to call me Kirsty, which is my actual name. Anyway, really easy way that I always mention to people uh, for them to remember whether it's Christy or Kirsty is like, just think Thirsty Kirsty. It's that easy. The second I tell people that, they're all over it. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Please keep spreading the word about the best podcast. I'm loving that more and more listeners are getting on board every week. Uh, I do thoroughly enjoy that you're listening and that I'm not just throwing something out into the ether for my own benefit. It's my absolute pleasure to be able to infest your eardrums with my dulcet tones at any time of the day and night. I love that. I love that it's just out there, ready to be put into an unsuspecting person's earballs at any any particular moment in time. Earballs aren't a thing, are they? Um, well, I cleared it up anyway. Sorry for the misinformation. I also like to think that as an extra bonus to recording the podcast, I'm doing my bit to normalise lisps. I'm just getting people's ear in for them. You won't even notice when you meet somebody with a lisp in the future. Uh, before I kick off... Uh, as in start the podcast, not as in get really angry about something. I'd just like to say, if you have any topics that you'd like to hear covered, please feel free to get in touch. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at, at Kirsty Wiebeck. Uh, that's K-I-R, not K-R-I, just to be clear. I remember when I first moved overseas, a lot of my friends from other countries told me that Australians make everything sound like a question by going up at the end of a sentence. Now, by the time I moved back to Australia, 
I was acutely aware of it and everyone sounded like they were constantly asking questions. Listening back to the first few episodes of this podcast has made me realise that I am literally the worst offender in this entire country. Like, I can't get over it. The first episode I listened to, I was like, oh my God, it's at the end of every single sentence. If you drew my voice, it'd look like a skateboarding half pipe. Like, at the end, it just goes, you've probably noticed yourselves. Let's see if I can turn that around. Like, I'm super keen. I'm really, really eager just to, to flatten the curve. I know that's a very <laughs> overused phrase at the moment, but I would like to flatten the curve of my speaking voice, okay? So I'm particularly keen for some feedback from the international listeners. Please let me know if I improve and if I stop sounding like I'm constantly asking questions. I hope everything's going well with you and that you've all had an opportunity to catch up with some loved ones uh, now that restrictions have eased a bit or... On the flip side, uh, you're enjoying still having a reason to avoid all the dickheads in your life. Oh, I'd, yeah, I'd love to come over, but you see, we're still going to isolate for a bit, just just a bit longer. Like, we're just a bit worried about that second wave. There's almost always a silver lining if you just look hard enough, isn't there? Is anyone else looking forward to you and your postperson seeing other people for a while. It's starting to feel awkward that I haven't invited my toll courier to meet my parents yet. Like, I see him nearly every day. It's getting out of control. If restrictions are lifted properly by December, I reckon I'm going to take him home for Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, great segue. I'm all about segues. All of your Christmases are about to come at once because I'm kicking off episode five, today's episode. I'm going to do it right now. What have I got in the bag for you today? Unfortunately, the way I've chosen to title the episodes has completely killed any opportunity I had to create an air of mystery in the intros. Like while I've been like planning what I'm going to say in each episode of the podcast, I'm like, what's a like outlandish pun that I can do to introduce the topics this week? And then I'm like, oh, or, or you know, like a, a quiz question. A trivia question and, and then I can be like, well, funnily enough, today we'll be talking about blah, right? But like I've set the podcast up on, on iTunes and Spotify in such a way that the titles are right there. So there's no mystery. But if there were, like if I didn't give the topics away in the title each week, I reckon this week I would have said, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with the best. And then I would have let you decide that today we're taking a look at one of the biggest pop acts of the 90s, the Spice Girls. And you would have been blown away by the like hilarious, very clever intro as well. Um, just go along with this, please. I'm so glad that I can't see your faces for feedback as you're listening. Anyone who follows me on social media will be well aware that I love a bit of a dad gag. So here we go. The Spice Girls, who were they? That might seem like a patronising question to you. You're probably thinking, who hasn't heard of the Spice Girls? And I don't blame you. But just before COVID-19 ramped up and we all, you know, had to start staying at home, I met someone who had never heard of Die Hard. You have got to actively reject modern living in the extreme to have never heard of Die Hard. 
I mean, I hadn't watched one until recently, sure, but I most definitely had heard of it many, many times over the years. Just in case you are one of those people who's been completely rejecting pop culture for many decades, the Spice Girls are an English pop girl group formed in 1994. The group consisted of Melanie Brown, also known as Mel B, and also known as Scary Spice, Melanie Chisholm, also known as Mel C, also known as Sporty Spice, Emma Bunton, aka Baby Spice, Jerry Hallowell, aka Ginger Spice, and finally, last but not least, Victoria Beckham, also known as Posh Spice. Interesting fact, they were originally going to be called the Spicy Girls, but there was a porn site called that, so obviously a backup plan had to be engaged. Researching this episode would have been a very different journey if they'd stuck with the Spicy Girls. I suspect I would have learned a lot about a lot. Before I get into it, I would like to stress that the Spice Girls were a manufactured girl band, in inverted commas. They had a whole big marketing machine behind them. Okay, so in assessing which Spice Girl was the best, I'm not actually appraising the individual members as human beings. All right, I want to be very clear about that. Um, th- this podcast, I've mentioned it before, it's not designed to um, punch down on anyone or make anyone feel terrible. And I do suspect that the Spice Girls will tune into this episode. So I want to be very clear that I'm sure they're all absolute treasures except any of them who have been assholes in the past. I have no intel on this. I'm just covering all my bases for when people start messaging me saying, but Sporty Spice flipped off a litter of puppies once. And that's also just an example. Mel C would never do such a thing, but you get what I mean. Absolute treasures, all of them, but we've got to get to the bottom of which one was the standout act in the group. So let's take a look at the crew, starting with Emma Bunton, a.k.a. Baby Spice. The first thing that pops into my mind when I think of Baby Spice is my ex, who had a story about literally running into her outside a London nightclub many moons ago and them both flying in opposite directions and landing catastrophically on the side of the road. Nobody puts baby in the gutter. Turns out they do, and they did. No one was permanently injured, and I'm absolutely certain the stains washed out of baby's feather boa. Okay, so don't be upset. Don't let that upset you. She's fine. She's thriving, in fact. So I'm sure she doesn't even remember the event. Where is she now? Where's baby Spice? Hopefully not still in that gutter. No, she's not. She's not. Uh, my ex watched her get up and walk away. So that's totally fine. We've covered that base. But I can't think of a single thing Baby Spice did after the Spice Girls, right? So like off the top of my head, I'm just like, I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. So I gave it a Google. She went solo. I'd totally forgotten about that. So it, it wasn't that I didn't know what she'd done, but I forgot about it. So that's a terrible sign, isn't it? Like, just between you and I, I even quite liked one of her singles that she released. It was called What I Am. Give it a spin later on. It's well, I enjoyed it. I actually really liked that single. Also, that's just between you and I. I said that. So if that gets out, I'll deny I ever said it. I'll, I'll just delete this episode. Now, she also got into radio. 
Okay, um, great. Natural progression. Good on her. Uh, so she was on the breakfast show on Heart Radio in London and she was on that until 2018. So she actually lasted the distance there for quite some time and she released her fourth album just last year and it became her first top 20 album in 15 years. Like you'd have to be pretty happy with that. Like you've sort of disappeared out of the pop scene for a while and you're in radio and then 15 years down the track you managed to get an album into the top 20. Like I think that's an enviable circumstance for anybody. So it turns out that she's actually been up to a fair bit and it's just that I haven't been fixating on her career, which I that's probably also positive <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm quite pleased to think I've had other things going on. Uh, she's also been voicing characters in animations. That's cool. That's something I'd like to do. And uh, I would say she's probably a lot more prevalent now, in fact, than she ever was in the Spice Girls. Like there was something deeply unsustainable about being a full-grown woman marketed as a small child. I mean, even just the whole baby Spice thing. And I say this, right, um, again, kindly, and also as an expert at bad marketing decisions, Here we go. Here's a story for you. When I started out in comedy, I also worked in a client-facing role in the federal government. I worked in a very difficult portfolio that I won't name. It rhymes with immigration. I decided that I'd start performing under a stage name. I didn't want there to be a crossover between my day job and, you know, me dipping my toe into comedy. So I was like, right, I'll have a stage name. Now, bear in mind I was 30 at the time. So there's absolutely no excuse for what you're about to hear. I <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this on a podcast. <laughs> I have <laughs> I've never said this publicly. I I started performing under the stage name Cursed Horrific. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. Please don't lose respect for me. <laughs> it's really terrible. It started out as an in-joke between some friends and I, and I guess I didn't expect to make a career out of comedy so soon. So most of the comedy community got wind of this stage name of mine before I quit my day job and and before I started performing under Kirsty Wiebeck, my, my actual name. Needless to say, the vast majority of my peers in comedy thought I was a massive dickhead. (laughs) And it took me years to convince them otherwise. (laughs) This is why I can say with great authority that the Baby Spice thing was a terrible idea. Baby Spice was also one of the least charismatic of the troupe. Like she barely added anything to interviews and was always in a real supporting role. Like I love her as a person. She's adorable. Like if you ever saw her interviewed, like she seems like such a lovely person. Like don't get me wrong, you're great, Emma Bunton, but I just don't think she was given much of an opportunity to shine and to be the best Spice Girl. Then there was Posh, aka Victoria Beckham. Now, Posh was arguably the most stylish of the group. However, she was allowed to speak approximately once throughout their active years. And I think I'm being generous, even with that. She was also occasionally given three words to whisper in a song to showcase her solo voice. And at times, it could be said that she was the original pioneer of the I'd like to speak to the manager haircut. She apparently earned the name Posh Spice because when she was in school, her dad used to drop her off in their Rolls Royce and she was mortified by that. And this is particularly relatable for me because 
My mum used to drop us off to school in a maroon Tarago that everyone used to call the Webeck bus. When my sister and I walked to school, mum would still drive the school route and she'd pick up any of our friends who were running late before dropping them at school while honking the horn and yelling, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, out the window wildly like someone who definitely needed to be breathalyzed. In summary, Posh wasn't ever really given the opportunity to take centre stage, unlike Mrs Wiebeck hanging out the window of a Tarago. Next up we have Mel B or Melanie Brown, otherwise known quite problematically as Scary Spice. I mean, I guess the logic behind it was that she had a big personality and wore lots of animal print, but somehow I just don't think it had passed through the executive team these days. Mel B was allowed to exude personality and was definitely given breathing space to be the most out there Spice Girl. If memory serves me correctly, her tongue spent significantly more time in the outdoors than it did in her mouth. She was meant to be the way out there, larger than life, wild sort of character out of the troupe. She was, however, allowed to shine so much that she actually has gone on to have quite a lucrative TV and movie career, which is great, um, and also included stints judging The X Factor and Australia's Got Talent. So if you, if you look her up online, she's, she's done so much stuff since the Spice Girls. It's actually quite amazing. Good for her. Good on you, Mel B. Congratulations. Um, and furthermore, none of my exes have ever knocked her over on the streets of London. So that, that's a win also. There's also Mel C, right? Um, Melanie C or Sporty Spice. And she was every soon-to-be gay girl's dream. Right, we were all so into her. I remember taking way too keen an interest in Sporty Spice's career for someone who wasn't too Spice Girls obsessed. Like I was a little bit too old at the time to be really, really into the Spice Girls, but I was really, really into Sporty Spice. Between keeping an eye on Sporty Spice and Ranger Stacey, I had very little time for any other hobbies. She was a tomboy. She got to rock super cool clothes in the eyes of any young person who didn't adhere to society's expectations of girls in dresses. And she also actually got to sing. Like Mel C did a fair bit of singing, perhaps mostly because she could sing. On top of all that, I'd put forward the case very confidently that she was actually the best dancer of the group as well. Seriously, she did quite well solo afterwards because she had the vocals. I dare you, I double dare you to go listen to I Turn To You after you finish this episode. Okay, so the song's called I Turn To You. It's an absolute banger. It's a real bop. I still enjoy it to this very day. Again, if that gets out, I'll deny it. But after you finish this episode and told 300 of your closest friends to listen, review and subscribe, go and listen to I Turn To You. Let me know how you go. Finally, last of the Spice Girls, there was Jerry Halliwell. Everyone knows Jerry Halliwell, a.k.a. Ginger Spice. Ginger Spice was everything to gay boys. She was pushed forward as a leader and she was fierce and fashionable with a splash of feminism by way of her whole girl power shtick. Like she was really into just, you know, she used to do like the peace sign and she'd be like, yeah, or was it peace sign or the V for victory? But girl power coming at you. Whenever I think of her, I think of the Union Jack in sequence for some reason. I think that might be like off the Spice World movie. 
which until I started saying that, I didn't think I'd ever watched it, but maybe I have. Anyway, Jerry Hallowell was a ripper who could also sing a bit and she could also dish out a bit of sass and personality in an interview. So she was definitely considered the leader of the group. The Spice Girls, what a crew. They had a red hot go, didn't they? They really did. But who was the best Spice Girl, objectively speaking? The best Spice Girl was... Sporty Spice. Wow, I can't believe my favourite one is also the objective best one of all. Congratulations, Mel C, Sporty Spice. Or as I affectionately used to call you in grade eight, my girlfriend. If you have ideas for another band or group that you'd like to know the objective best member of, get in touch. I'm super happy to showcase them in a future episode. Uh, feel free to DM me on my socials at Kirsty Webeck, not Christy. The second topic I'm going to take a look at today is another very divisive topic. It's colours. Everyone has an opinion on what the best colour is, but that doesn't necessarily make it correct. For example, a dear friend of mine, very excellent person, wonderful person in fact, very intelligent, very funny, very, very kind, they love the colour brown. But is it the best? No. It's very frequently associated with poo. So how could it possibly be the best one? My friend would argue that it is also the colour of chocolate, which is correct. And since chocolate is so great, that fact makes it a very confusing conversation to have. Like I feel really staunch about the fact it's not the best colour, but then when you mentioned to me, but what colour is chocolate? I'm like... Uh, well, that throws a spanner in the works. To start the segment off with some facts, because we're all about learning here at the best, I very simply Googled, what is a colour? This is one variation of the answer that appeared. Okay, so they're all um, very similar answers, and uh, I just chose like a really simplistic version. So in physics, colour is visible light, with a specific wavelength. So that's what came up in Google. In physics, colour is visible light with a specific wavelength. That's exactly what I was going to say anyway. Next up, I Googled how many colours are there, right? This is a much more interesting question than I realised because, of course, we can only count as many colours as we can see. According to some scientists who are significantly more intelligent in this area and probably many other areas than I am, we can see infinity colours. I genuinely thought they'd give a numerical figure. Like I knew it would be a large one. I didn't think they were going to be like, oh, there's 23 colours. Like I thought it was going to be like at least in the thousands, but probably like in the hundreds of thousands. But I had no idea it was going to be infinity. That's bananas. There are scientists called psychophysicists, right? Very difficult on the lisp and I'd never heard of them before. And their job is to study human responses to things in the world. And there are so many things to consider, right? There are so many variables that a person with average vision can apparently see infinity colours. 
Like some variables are different light, right? So there might be the same, like in theory, there might be the same solid block of a specific green colored paint on a piece of paper, but that is a different color when it is underneath different light. So there's so, so many variables. Like I'd never thought of, of that, like the fact that light shining onto a colour changes the colour. Like, oh, whoa. I don't I don't know about you, but that's just opened up too many lines of inquiry for me. After this episode, I'm going down a psychophysicist rabbit hole on the internet. Like I find it so fascinating but also inconceivable. Like when I try and think about how many stars there are in the sky, like my brain just hits a wall. You wait, next week's episode will be all about discovering the best psychophysicist in the world. Not really. I'm going to save that for like episode 1500 where I'm like, oh, all right, we've exhausted every band in the world. (laughs) We've exhausted every kind of soup in the world. What's left? Psychophysicists. So we've laid the groundwork. We've ascertained that there's a buttload of colours, but that still doesn't answer the pressing question of which one is the best, okay? And that's what we're most concerned at here at the best. Now, let's have a quick look at the most basic of colours. I won't take you through all infinity because my recorder's battery will run out and you have lives to get on with and so do I, believe it or not. So let's break it down with some of the basic colours. Here's just... A really quick list of um, a bunch of colours that come up really commonly on Google when you say like, what are the colours? When people don't want to list infinity colours, these are basically the ones they list. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, purple, pink, silver, gold, brown, grey. The website I was looking at also listed black and white. But all of us know they're not colours because white contains all wavelengths of visible light and black is, of course, the absence of all visible light. Right? (laughs) I just learnt that. Can you tell? (laughs) I'm taking it for a spin. (laughs) Sorry to be out here stating the obvious. So we're getting rid of grey and brown immediately because they're rubbish. From a strictly objective perspective, what are things that are grey? Rainy days, concrete, sharks. I don't dislike sharks. As a side note, I just couldn't, for the life of me, think of anything else that was grey. Purple and pink are out too. Just because they're a bit much. I've got nothing against them. They're just a bit much. I had a really angry teacher as well in high school. And uh, she used to wear a purple tracksuit. And whenever I see purple now, I, I can only ever think of her or Barney the dinosaur. We're also going to get rid of red and orange. Red's a bit too aggressive and overused in marketing for cheap items. And I love cheap items. Don't get me wrong. I just see too much red everywhere all the time. And orange isn't versatile enough. Like how often have you purchased an orange item of clothing that hasn't made you look like an orange? We're culling all of the options, right? We're just going to eradicate them. We're going to chop it down. We're going to cut to the chase and we're going to narrow it down to green, blue and gold. They're all beautiful, versatile and associated with the ocean, which can't be a bad thing, right? Green has very heavy associations with nature. And if there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I am a big fan of nature. I love the environment. I love grass and trees. 
When it comes to nature, the greener, the better as far as I'm concerned. Can't get enough of it. Blue is also heavily associated with nature. We're all wild about a blue sky, aren't we? And as for a clear blue ocean, get around me right now, large expanse of wet blueness. I am so sorry for making the ocean deeply unattractive with that last sentence. Just before Corona contained us to our households, I was in New Zealand and we went for so many walks around these incredible blue lakes and rivers. Like I couldn't get enough of them. Not only are they so beautiful to stroll around, they're also a very practical colour to wear. Who doesn't love a blue t-shirt or some blue jeans? Blue chinos, get into it. So many different variations of blue to choose from for any occasion. Blue is also associated with victory. First prize is always a blue ribbon. Blue ribbon ice cream is also a wonderful thing to have for dessert. Gold's also a ripper of a colour. We also most commonly associate it with victory. If blue ribbons aren't being given out to the winners, what else is? Gold trophies, aren't they? Love a gold trophy. Gold is also always used for a bit of the old razzle-dazzle, isn't it? We see it on the stage all the time and it's a glitzy and glamorous addition to any float at the Mardi Gras, I assume. So there you have it. A quick glance at three of the best colours, green, blue and gold. If there's one thing we've already learned at the best, though, it's that there can only be one winner when it comes to the objective best of anything. So let's get stuck into it. Which is objectively the best colour? From a short list of blue, green and gold. Which is objectively the best colour? best colour is blue. Congratulations, blue. You're so varied and beautiful and seen frequently in the natural world. There's nothing better than catching you on a cloud-free day, spreading yourself across our city like nature's marquee. That concludes this week's episode of The Best. Massive shout out to Sporty Spice, aka Mel C, for taking out the title of The Best Spice Girl and also to The Colour Blue for winning the title of Best Colour. You're both absolute rippers, very well deserved. I'm Kirsty Wiebeck, uh, not to be confused with Christy. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Don't forget to tell your friends and most importantly, don't forget that it's actually you who's the best. Catch you next week for some more objective truths. Bye.